baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, Laura in the newsroom has done an amazing job today reporting on the funeral of the uh, two officers and the medic firefighter from Burnsville. And I saw Amy Hockert from Fox 9 tweet something that I think was uh, really interesting. Just a just a couple of minutes ago, she says. It's taking courage to publicly back the blue for the last few years. This week showed us the best of them. And there are many more out there like Ruby Elmstrad and Finseth. I hope part of their legacy is to make it okay to openly support law enforcement again. The good ones. They need it. And I, it really has me thinking about that because I think we've been very clear on this show in our support for excellent law enforcement. We have guests on the show all the time from law enforcement. We talk about heroic stories. We talk about one of, one of my favorite interviews we did over the last six months was with uh, the fire chief. Butch Inks in St. Paul talking about how heroic his firefighters were going into that burning house that had all those kids in there. Right. But Amy is right. Amy's right. Yep. Because whenever over the last six years, over the last four years, since the murder of George Floyd, I've I've thought twice about saying something positive. Not that I was double, not that not that I wasn't a hundred percent positive, right? But that I knew if you say something nice about police, which you can go through my Twitter and find the plenty of times that I've done it, you get all the people accusing you of propaganda. All your, you know, on and on. And so sometimes instead of dealing with the backlash, I just say nothing. Because you're like, eh, it's not worth riling people up when I'm trying to say something nice. So I think, you know, I heard Chad talking about this earlier, sort of pushing back on the suggestion that media is anti-police. And I, I agree with him. I think media is overwhelmingly pro-police and Amy Hockert is right that we have had a little bit of self-censorship and there there was a discussion we had on the show not too long ago about Hennepin County I was moderating a forum with different law enforcement agencies talking about safety in downtown Minneapolis and one of the things the Hennepin County Sheriff said is that, you know, in some suburbs, you've got signs all over the 
place that say, we support our police. Mm -hmm. She's like, you would never see that in Minneapolis. And I I don't know. Here's the problem. The we back the blue rhetoric largely comes out in defense of an officer accused of doing something crappy. And so when you're talking about the day-to-day, like sort of the people who reflexively 100% sort of, you get the sense that some of them like like authoritarianism. Those folks all come out, no matter what an officer does, and are swearing up and down that it's the criminal's fault or it's this person's fault or if this person wasn't high or if this person didn't, you know, it's always that. And so well-meaning people who do support the police, I think, like I'm saying I have at times, have self-censored because you don't want to be associated with what is sometimes a racist or overwhelmingly authoritarian viewpoint when the people bring out the thin blue line signs in defense of Derek Chauvin. And then, you know, you also, at least from my perspective, like I don't want to be the like, you don't want to be defund defund and we don't need them and we can do it ourselves. So it is, I I, I just wonder your thoughts on that because I think it's so interesting from Amy. And if you want to weigh in 651 Four six one nine two two six. This wasn't what I meant to talk about at this time, but it just, with all the emotions of yeah. seeing the funeral today in Burnsville, I, I think Amy's landed on something pretty, pretty profound there. I think you know what we saw today. If we saw anything, is the massive public support for first responders that exists in this state and in this community. So, any accusation that the communities don't support their cops and don't support their firefighters, I think was kind of blown away by what we saw today. But to your point, this idea of policing and specifically good policing versus bad policing has become politicized. And like everything that becomes politicized, it's therefore hyper-polarized and everything becomes a strict binary. You either back police no matter what. Yeah. Or right. you're a defund the police crazy liberal. There's there's no middle ground. There's no nuance anymore when we have these type of discussions. And that's the bane of our public discourse right now. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible thing that's happened that we can't have conversations anymore and say, look, 95% of the police out there are amazing and they're heroes and they do one Probably even work. higher, but yeah. Probably. Yeah. But there is a problem that's leading to these particularly bad apples, right? It's not a bad apple. There are multiple bad apples. And there are systemic issues that are helping to lead towards those things. And we need to fix that. We need to do better than that. And we can do better than that. And simply pointing that part out doesn't mean that you hate or lump the other 95% or whatever it is in with them. Right. It doesn't have to mean – we can have both conversations. We can look at what happened today and talk about these three individuals as the heroes that they are and give them the love and support – that they absolutely deserve, and say at the same time there's still some issues with policing that we need to be work on. Those two things aren't diametrically yeah. opposed, yet if you listen to the rhetoric, you would think that they had to be, and that's sad to me. Yeah, I, I have come around on the idea, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, are there a few bad apples, I would say yes. Yeah. 
And today, I would disagree with that assertion. I do think that when you look at the the training and you look at the mindset, after 9-11, we shifted to sort of a warrior mindset in our law enforcement training. And indeed, every time you stop someone, there is the chance that something could go wrong. Plus, if you approach every stop as if it's a potential deadly encounter, well, you're probably going to end up escalating a lot of situations that didn't need to be escalated. So I think as we learn, we learn that we may be systemically doing things in a way that that isn't optimal, that it could be better. And that's all. But I do think, like, just as I try to be frank and be honest with you guys and be honest with myself, that Amy's saying, and Amy comes at this, you know, she's been on the show before. Amy Hockert's an anchor at Fox 9. She's been on the show. Her husband is in federal law enforcement. Her dad is a former deputy sheriff. And she's reported on countless people who have, just just like I have, who have suffered and died at the hands of bad police work. Countless may be exaggerating, but, you know, you live in sort of both sides of that. Yep. And I do think that we can do a better job of of speaking up and pointing out the good. And, you know, my response to that used to be like, well, the good is the expected. Like that is why, why would you make a big deal out of somebody doing a good job? Like that's their that's job. That's they're supposed to do. Yeah. And we do make a, you know, when the police go shopping with underprivileged kids for Christmas, you see those stories like the, you see a lot more. Po- I think people don't realize how many positive stories there are about law enforcement. But I do think those of us who have uh, the ability to express an opinion. You know, maybe maybe seeing the outpouring this week. And being reminded of the real heroism and danger that does happen in this job, that maybe it will give people more more confidence. I would say, like, those of you who feel that way, that, which, again, it's the vast majority of people who support police, want police, you know, it would help if you guys would have our backs every once in a while when, like, the angry mob is coming after you. So so that would be helpful, too, because it does get like, I mean, the people who do not want policing under any circumstance, uh, you hear from them. Social media is a different way. Like, we, we talk about this all the time, right? That yeah. We have to remind ourselves that social media isn't real life, that the pitchforks and torches that come out on social media represent a very small, very vocal, but a very small minority of opinion. Yeah. But it's hard. It. it it's not always easy to remember that when you're getting deluged. Yeah. Any, I'll read some text. Lots of good text coming in. Any comment about bl- backing the blue is twisted into being racist. Now, I do think that if 
because this is what happens after Derek Chauvin did something absolutely trash, absolutely trash. So many ding dongs came out to his defense. And I'll tell you what, I interviewed dozens of police officers who are like what Derek Chauvin did is indefensible. And yet everybody started hanging their their uh, thin blue line flags in defense of Derek Chauvin. So sort of that sentiment of backing the blue got co-opted by people who who I think were being racist. So that is that is sort of what happened. That is what happened there. I don't really think the media hates the police. I think you at CCO do an outstanding job. What I see in here is media just jumping over, all over, a bad cop and what they did. And they should to a certain extent. But you don't really hear a lot about all the great things police do. You know, I I would say to all of you guys, if you hear of something or have a story in your community about something great that law enforcement or police officers are doing. You know, my email is jason at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. I want to know about it. Look, we love highlighting those kind of stories. It is true that what the media news, you know, local news and newspaper generally reports on is what goes wrong. And so, yeah, like if someone gets killed in a scenario where it shouldn't, then it's going to get a lot of coverage. I think, on the other hand, if you look at, like, uh, the state trooper case uh, where the the two troopers were being pulled away on in uh, Minneapolis, that case, uh, and that's where Ryan Londergren was charged with the uh, killing of Ricky Cobb, I think the coverage of that has been very, like, nuanced about how tricky that scenario is. Yep. But you should keep calling out the media if, if you know, you think the coverage is bad. But let us know if those stories are good. Because I want to tell those, I want to tell those stories. Uh, let's take a break. D-Rush Hour News headlines coming up in... Just a minute. Lots of interesting stories in there. We'll talk about a sort of controversial comedian in town right now. Pilots in Lake Elmo being asked to do a number of things to keep it down. And what is Andre Agassi and a Minnesota company doing about pickleball? All of that as we continue on CCO. All right, it is 528 in just a couple of minutes. We're going to speak uh, with the family members. Backing the blue line, Gretchen Gifford, uh, so many police officers, spouses, a part of today's memorial. Uh, So should be good. Looking forward to talking with Gretchen in just about uh, five or six minutes. First, if you are on TikTok, you cannot avoid comedian Matt Reif. Okay, Star Star Tribune's Neil Justin reporting that Matt will be in town for four sold-out shows this weekend. He's in Duluth uh, for two more uh, Thursday, tomorrow. He has 5 million followers on TikTok, more than 260 million views, 28 years old. A little controversial, though. He's like kind of a beefcake-looking guy, 
looks like a Calvin Klein model. But other comedians say, like, eh, he's not, like, his jokes are not that good. His crowd work is good. He's not that clever. His last stand-up special opened up with a bit about domestic violence. So there you go. Pilots, quiet down. Yeah, that's a problem. They're over at the Lake Elmo Airport, a lot of people are flying around in cartoon-style airplanes, so that's the issue. No, they moved a runway in 2022, and ever since then there have been a ton of complaints from neighbors all about the noise. Mary Devine, the Pioneer Press, reporting that the Metropolitan Airports Commission has a solution. They got it solved. They're going to hang up some signs. They're going to say, hey, shh, 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 pilot, shh, zip it. Well, this is part of it. They're going to ask pilots to avoid the stop-and-go operations, try to stop repetitive activity over residences, uh, try not to fly at night from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. The number of complaints really, I mean, this is no joke if you live out in that area. In the fourth quarter of 2023, 5,266 complaints. Uh, that same period in 2022, 600 complaints. <laughs> Some big difference. Disney World prices are going up, but not until 2025. Disney World is expensive, but uh, it's also awesome. So what are you going to do? Some of the lowest single-day single park ticket prices, CNN reporting, have gone up by 10 bucks for 2025. Uh, other tickets going up 5 bucks. But you're like, if you're going to Animal Kingdom in late August, it's going to be 120 bucks. Uh, late April, like spring break time, 2025, it'll be 169. So that's, you know, they've had a lot of price hikes, two increases in 2022. Disneyland has raised prices as well. Andre Agassi selling out as a tennis icon. Now he's captain pickleball. That is Andre Agassi. I mean, this guy was like back in the day. Oh, Lights out. Turns out he's friends with CEO and founder of Lifetime, Baram Akradi. And so uh, Agassi is going to be the chair of Lifetime's pickleball and tennis board. Uh, Lifetime's really made an aggressive move when it comes to pickleball. They're big in tennis as well. They have uh, 260 courts in 30 different clubs. Uh when it comes to pickleball, they have 630 pickleball courts at 130 clubs. They're trying to get 1,000 built by the end of the year. That is the D-Rush Hour news headlines. In just a minute, we'll have uh, Gretchen Gifford backing the blue line. Spouses of police officers made 4,000 or so blue and red roses for the memorial service today. Uh, amazing. We'll talk to Gretchen in just a minute here on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, watching the funeral in Burnsville today for those two police officers and the medic and firefighter, if you weren't crying, you're not human. It was incredibly emotional. 
And I was equally touched by an effort by a number of spouses of police officers who, boy, we've been talking about this a lot since this happened. The just the absolute challenge of watching your loved one leave the house and every day not quite being certain uh, if they're going to come home okay. A nonprofit called Backing the Blue Line prepared uh, more than 4,000 blue and red roses to be handed out at this memorial service this morning. And we're joined on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline by the Vice President of Backing the Blue Line, Gretchen Gifford. Gretchen, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, Jason, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting us to talk about our organization. Uh, first of all, if you, you know, tell me how you got, uh, how you got involved in, in backing the blue line. Well, I'm married to a police officer who works, uh, in Richfield and, um, we've been together about 18 years and I actually happened upon the group out of the blue and, um, I showed it to my husband and I said, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, you should join. And it's been about six years and, um, it's just a really amazing group of women. Um, I went to a meeting on a whim to kind of find out more information about three, maybe four years ago now, and uh, got voluntold to try to uh, fill in one of the vacant positions. And mm. I've been involved in leadership ever since. Well, you just think, Gretchen, <laughs> that your situation is one that, you know, most people can't relate to. I've talked about this before. When I, in my years going off to work as a as a TV reporter or a radio host, there are times that I go into borderline dangerous situations. But my wife never is worried that, like, gosh, mm-hmm. Jason's going to go to work and something's going to happen today. And I, I imagine. Well, tell me about that from your perspective. Do you is that something that's front of mind every day, or is it something that just sort of sits in the background and it's always there? Um, Well, you know what? That actually kind of hits you all in the feels uh, with how you are phrasing it today. And emotions are so much higher and more raw this week. Um, What I, my personal take on it is if I sit and worry um, every day when my husband goes on shift and I do nothing but worry, and I'm not going to be able to live my life. And yeah. um, I'm a faithful person, and I believe that um, I have to believe that God is going to watch over him every day he goes on his shift. And the training that he's had in his 26 years of law enforcement are going to kick in in situations. And I know that there's always that chance that something is going to happen. Um, but if I sit and worry, I'm just not going to be able to live. And um, that's... Uh, the angle that I take because yeah, um, yeah. I have to be here for our son. I have to be a daughter to my parents and a sibling to all, you know, my brother and my sisters. And um, I just need to be able to not worry all yeah. day long. Yeah. Um, but it's there in the back of your mind every day that he's out there. You're making me cry just thinking about, I mean, <laughs> just the strength of that, of that situation. And like you said, mm-hmm. the emotions today are, they are raw. What what yeah. was it like when you came together to uh, to prepare those roses for today? Yeah, um, so we've actually done three funerals in the last um, week and a half. We've done uh, just just under forty eight hundred roses. Um, we did four thousand for today's service, and 
um, as emotional as it is uh, for the purpose of what we're doing. Um, last night, we did our rose prep. We were there for about seven hours with um, about 60 women in our organization. And it's, um, it's all the feels, every emotion uh, that you can think of from sadness to grief um, to actually joy and having some fun and meeting some new police wives who you know have that same feeling and understanding of where it's hitting you deep down inside. And that's not to take anything away from my friends who have reached out, um, but it's just there's something different about being able to sit at a table next to a police wife and tie a, a ribbon on a rose or mm. clip a thorn or prep a bucket or just give a hug when you knew yeah. somebody needs it. And you don't really have to special. you don't have to say anything or explain. You just sort of know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that um, that piece of prep is is something that is one of the things that really fills my heart and my bucket when bad things happen. And um, just being able to be a part of it is truly amazing. And then, you know, today we did the handout and it's the different emotions, right? Like you need to be there to show our law enforcement community that uh, we're there for them as well by handing out the flowers Um and also adding in the red roses this time was something we've not done before. Um, but we knew that we had to do something to honor um, Adam as a firefighter who died in the line of duty helping uh, Matthew and Paul. And um, we just wanted to make sure that we honored him as a hero as well. Adam Finseth, Matthew Ruge, and Paul Elmstrand. Um you know what what their sacrifice and especially what the the moment that hit me that the waterworks started flowing in the in the funeral today mm-hmm. was from the surviving uh sergeant mm-hmm. who said that they all three of them were you know standing up for seven children like that's yeah. that's that's what that's really the story here for sure 100% <clears throat> Yeah. Gretchen Gifford yeah. is a vice president yeah. of Backing the Blue Line. They prepared uh, more than 4,000 roses for the memorial service uh, today in blue and in red. I wonder, Gretchen, you know, this is a time where, where many people, I think, you know, oftentimes it's the tragic thing that sort of shakes you into kind of an understanding of the danger or an appreciation, perhaps. Mm-hmm. What 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 would you like? What would you like our listeners to know, and what 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 do you hope going forward people kind of carry with some of the emotions that they're they're feeling now? Thanks for asking. You know, actually, it's been a really tough four years, uh, five years, and um, they're human. Our officers are human underneath that uniform and that vest that they wear every day, and. I'm, I, I do believe that people are seeing the human side of it, and my hope is that we continue to um, see that they aren't just out there trying to catch people doing bad things. Um, they're out there to protect their communities and out there to make sure that other people are going home safe to their families with what we're doing. And that's what our mission should be. And it's not just in law enforcement. It's every first responder right? Like they're all out there to make sure that our communities are being taken care of. And that's their purpose. They are called to be servants. Um, That was all mentioned today in the funeral, having that servant heart 
like about that. what they're doing to yeah. be protectors of their community. And that's, that's the piece that I, um, I hope people are taking away that they are human and they're out there to be servants uh, for their community. Yeah. I, you know, part of me as I was watching this today was wondering about maybe the 18 or 19 year olds who are seeing mm-hmm. this. And as much as when you, when you, you know, and thankfully this doesn't happen that often, which, which explains some of the, some of the outpouring from the state. But when you, when you have uh, a tragedy like this, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder how many people might be inspired to take up uh, a career in law enforcement, even though it's a little counterintuitive where you think like, oh, gosh, like right. would this would this make someone say like, hell no, no way that I want to yeah. put my life on the line like that. But the flip right. side is you just see that sort of that calling, that selflessness, that love for community that 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 mm-hmm. might uh, I, I hope some people maybe see that and understand that that is really at, at the core of this. Yeah, you know, interesting you say that. We actually, my husband and I have a niece who just started in her law enforcement degree program or um, in her skills program. And it's the same. We've talked to her about it over the last year to year and a half when she finally made that decision. And she knows what she wants. And I think if people are willing um, to step up to that line, we're, I, the law enforcement numbers are down across the state. And if something like this has unfortunate and tragic as it is, like you said, compels people to step up and do these acts of service and serve their community within law enforcement or any other first responder role, then there's the absolute silver lining, right? Trying to get more people involved to be out there and protecting those communities. Gretchen Gifford, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. I know it's it's been an emotional week. Like you said, it's been an emotional four years. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you saying that these officers and all first responders are people uh, behind mm-hmm. that uniform, that's going to stick with me uh, for a long time. And I hope a lot of <laughs> our you. our listeners will, will bear that in mind going forward, too. Sure. Thank, yeah, thank you. you so much for reaching out to us, Jason. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a pleasure to tell people about our mission and just make sure that uh, people know what we do. All right. Anything we can do to help going forward, let us know. Gretchen Gifford, Vice President of Backing the Blue Line. We thank all our our law enforcement families uh, as well, because it's a family effort. It's a family effort for sure. 549 back in just a minute here on CCO. So I had a big day today, Dan. I woke up early. I went to Livia, weighed in. I'm fine. I'm like, all right, I'm invincible. I went on vacation. Not on vacation. I'm sorry. I was on a very important work trip. It was a work trip. Very focused on the job. Nose the grindstone. Certainly not drinking out of that wild turkey 101 bourbon that I had in my room. And so I weighed in and I was fine. I was fine. I was fine. No problem. Good. And then I went to Caribou, got a coffee. And then I went to Fleet Farm. Fleet Farm is the strangest store, I think, on the planet. Okay. You walk in the door, you got uh, uh, pistachios on sale and mixed nuts. All right. It's nice. Bags of peanuts. You would think that, like, there's such demand for peanuts. Like, why do we have a wall of peanuts when you walk in? Peanuts are pretty good. 
I like peanuts, yeah. but it just seems very strange. So you got the peanuts, and, and then the off to the right, you got your fishing reels. Sure. And then you got clothes, and then you got, like, I was going because I needed a dimmer switch. The LED light in my bathroom is flickering. And I'm pretty sure it's because my switch is not compo- set not set up for LED. Yeah. So I text my wife. I'm like, just like I do when I go to Target, do you need anything at Target? I'm like, do you need anything at Fleet Farm? <laughs> and she asked if I could pick her up some camo underwear, which I looked. They didn't have any. I mean, if there was going to be a place where you could get the camo underwear. Well, I looked, but I couldn't see it. But I'm Jake. <laughs> So no So no camo underwear. Oh, that's a shame. I know. I know. If anyone knows where to get camo underwear, if you could email me, Jason at Odyssey.com. Oh, that man. email goes to me I and Dan. Say, so that would be too. great come if on. you could send that in. What did I do to you? Uh it's just a weird store. It's very weird. It's like it you take Home Depot, and then you throw in like an outdoors supply store, and I'm like, I'm not sure, but it it just feels like, well, <laughs> you name it, you can find it there. It was just very odd. And then I, so I bought, I did buy some pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> they were on sale. I mean, <laughs> see, I told you they got a good deal on the peanuts. That's why there's well, so many peanuts. Maybe I'll go back get some peanuts. I don't know. It's an amazing story. I'm hungry for peanuts. It was a great. Oh, Texter is saying Fleet Farm has the underwear. I need I need some help. Why are you did playing you ask this song? For help at the did, store? did I ask for help? Where are the matching camouflage bra and panties? That's what I'm looking for. Henry's next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.